0: Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today, we have Jonathan Barr with us as our guest today. He's a former 10-year recovering flipper. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, during that period, he helped create twenty-two million dollars in profits with average annualized returns of thirty-eight percent, outstanding. Now, with his brother at JB Two Investments, they are investing in larger apartments in the Midwest, specifically Kansas City and Oklahoma City. So, love the transition from single-family to larger multifamily. Jonathan, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for for jumping on. And uh, of always appreciate the opportunity to dig in and understand people's journey. Um, tell me a little bit about, well, first kind of understand your, your background, but then the transition to that first real estate project and what that looked like for you.
0: Yep. So I, I grew up in a real estate family. My parents been involved in real estate since I was a kid. Um, my mom's real estate office was basically my daycare. (laughs) um graduated from college during the last recession couldn't really find a job my mom was like come work with us um was kind of reluctant because who wants to work for their parents um and but they were kind of rebuilding because they did take some kind of hit during the last recession and so i kind of came back to kind of help them rebuild um, and we started going to trustee sales, REOs, short sales, and they basically raised a little bit of money from some capital partners that they had. and, and we eventually started kind of recycling the capital that we did create with some hard money lending. Um, and at one point we we're doing seven, eight homes a month. And so I had a couple people at the trustee sales, people looking at properties. I kind of was orchestrating the whole acquisition side of things. Um, and then, uh, the flip started to dry up a bit. So we got into some development, ground up townhouse style developments in Phil in the city of LA. And we also had a small portfolio of multifamily in LA that I managed and leased myself. It was kind of in the trenches, So kind of got a good taste of a lot of different aspects of the business. And in November of 2019, bought the building in Kansas city Three, four, or five months ago, about a building in Oklahoma City, and 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 yeah, it's been a big transition from going from the flip business to kind of the buy and hold. It, it's kind of like a complete 180 flip from from what we were doing before.
1: Yeah, that's no joke. I mean, you're looking yeah. for quick. It's different in in every way. Is yeah. it refreshing in a way? Looking at, it seems like there's the pattern of kind of going from that flip to. Develop some cash and get started is pretty common and then kind of transition a little later in folks' career to cash flow appreciation, buy and hold. Are there some things that you find refreshing out of that transition, or is it is it just like a completely different animal for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I find it refreshing that instead of having to find 30, 40 deals a year and keep that going, I could do three deals a year and and have a pretty good business and keep things going. Um, also, the flip business is more of a job. I mean, you're you're going to the job site. We're doing more gut jobs, high end like designer stuff, remodels. So you have to be you have to hit it right. If you don't hit it right, you're not going to hit the values. Yep. So we we had to have a close eye on everything. We were we were essentially contractors too. I mean, we we were we were doing everything. We are hands-on with everything. So that's a lot of work. Um, but I could back up a little bit. In 2011 to 13, I bought a few duplexes in really good areas of LA that, that appreciated about 400% in that 10-year period. And yep. so I sold those in the last year in 1031 into these buildings in the Midwest. And I just saw the power of holding long-term and having cash flow and what, what, long-term wealth that could be like, you're not going to have the big, um, you're not going to have what you have in flips where you're making a lot of money at once, but over long-term you compound that upon each other and, and it, it's really going to make, make an impact.
1: Absolutely. On those deals that you did the 1031, uh, transaction on, I mean, that, that's a that's an excellent strategy when you're moving up to bigger properties. Was that something that you evaluated at sale? Like, oh, okay. The market looks good. Let's sell these. Or was this kind of a pre-planned deal, a 1031 on what was your approach on that?
0: I'd say it's kind of a hybrid approach. Um, I, I just looked at the properties and my equity had built so much and I was like, what am I actually making on this equity? Not the cash I have it, but what am I making on this equity? I'm making 3% on the equity here. And I I was like, I I know I could do better. And I bought the building in Kansas City and tripled that cash flow I was making before. Um, But I had before, because yeah, it's tricky with 1031s because of time constraints. Sure. Um, I had toured a bunch of properties uh, with brokers in Kansas City before, and I had kind of already lined up some possible Properties and I kind of just timed everything with with the sale and even on the sell of my property in LA, they had to cooperate with my 1031. So if they had to give me a little extra time or figure things out so we could make it fit, so I'm not super stressed and have three days left to select a property.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you want to be that buyer, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We get emails all the time from brokers. We're in Texas and we're like, oh, we got a California. Actually, just got a call from a broker last week, like we got California buyer, uh, needs to place 30 million bucks, you know, in the next very short period of time. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you know, you don't want to pay taxes on that. So, um, yeah, but sometimes it might
0: be better to pay that tax and get into a bad deal. I would yeah, say yeah, hundred percent.
1: It's a balancing act. Nobody likes a gun to their head on, uh, having to uh, buy the wrong deal. You mentioned something, which I think is really important is return on equity. Um, and that's something for investors to think about, but that's, that's something for just a lot of people in general to think about, okay, you got X amount of net worth, you get a million dollar net worth, $10 million net worth. What is your annual return on that? And, and for a lot of folks, it's that's shocking, shockingly low. You know, you talk about 3% and, and yeah, to your point, you got to be able to do better than that somewhere else. So that's a interesting metric to look at in terms of, uh, well, I want to back up a little bit on, on the houses. You're in California. Were you doing these high end flips in that market or in, in other yes. markets? In okay. Los
0: Angeles, in specific uh, pockets of LA, Northeast LA. It's kind of like the trendier, kind of hipster kind of areas yep. close to the downtown. Sure. What's what yeah. is,
1: just for, to for my curiosity, what does stuff sell for? You know, is it. 1,500 square feet for selling for a million bucks or was, was it totally different than that? Or?
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends what time period we were doing it. And this is over a 10 year period, but I'd say on average, like a three fifteen hundred 1,500 square feet on like a 6,000 square foot lot is going to go for like one, two, one, three in those areas.
1: What, what, uh, what year construction?
0: a lot of it's 20s and 30s, but we're going in there and redoing everything, you everything. know, plumbing, electrical, roof, sometimes even foundations, uh, yep. th- the whole deal. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. And in the uh, labor pool out there, uh, difficult, easy to find? How, how is that? Uh,
0: we had like five crews of guys that only work for us. So we had Excellent. a good labor pool and, and good pricing because of that. But yeah, it's tough if you don't have, if you don't have crews that you can keep busy and they only work for you because you can keep them busy and fed.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that whole flip game, that's how I started. I'm not knocking it. Um, it's definitely a job and they're just constantly moving pieces. And if you don't hit your number on the exit, everything breaks. It's tough. You know, yeah. I mean it it it's tough watching your your margins just kind of erode because of a timeline or Budget overage or whatever. Um, so the, your one supplies. one, yep, one thing though, um, sure.
0: the cool thing about LA and specific pockets of LA, if you get the right property with the right amenities and the right design, you could hit a value that you can't even value, but based on comps. So like nice. you could easily like make a hundred k more than you thought you you were gonna get. So that that's where it gets interesting with that business.
1: Yeah, and it's I could see that being the case in LA where you've got irreplaceable piece of dirt right it's just yeah. you're not re, you're not able to recreate that and you're gonna command a premium and 100k on 1.2 million i mean as a percentage it kind of fits in there you know
0: yeah but it's it's still yeah. substantial
1: oh yeah sure. no i'm just saying like <laughs> in san antonio where you're selling houses for 300k you, we're not getting an extra 100k out of a deal like there's no way no, but no on 1.2 it's conceivable, and that that totally uh, totally helps. I love it. Are you guys still doing any of that still, or have you completely? Our, uh, our
0: family back? is still doing that, yeah. but my brother and I have completely separated. We just we want one. We didn't want to compete with them. That sure. was the number one reason. Uh, number two was just we wanted to be a hundred percent focused on this because, as you know, it takes a lot of work. You got to look at a lot of deals. You got to talk to a lot of people. And if you're not a hundred percent focused on it, it's going to be tough to really do much. I love it. That's such a great point. Yep. You got to be able to focus on it. In terms of
1: market selection, what drove you guys? Um, I mean, if you're still based in California to, to select these uh, these Midwest markets, Kansas City, Oklahoma City, um, was that real methodical or you just happen to find some deals or uh, broke relationship? or
0: It wasn't very methodical. My wife has family in Kansas City and I was Perfect. bored one Christmas looking at <laughs> listings and did some back of the napkin math and I was like, huh, this could work. Reach out to brokers toured property. This was over a three-year period because, uh-huh. you know, I've only only did real estate in LA. So to get me over the hump of going out of LA took a lot of thinking and like looking at it and, and getting myself used to that idea. And then we, we got to Oklahoma City because I couldn't find anything in the 50 plus range in Kansas City that made sense because it's gotten pretty tough in that market because a lot of East Coast, West Coast money there now. Um, and and so we opened it up a few hundred miles from there. Oklahoma City was there and it kind of just fit our metrics, economics, income growth, economic growth, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, makes sense. I think there's more than a few occasions where I've been bored and done some back in the napkin and started yeah. a company. That's got, maybe all of them started that way
0: which yeah, is cool. Right? There's a lot of freedom in that, right? That's yeah, fun. What does a real estate guy do when he's born on vacation? looks at real estate.
1: <laughs> oh, hundred percent, man. Yeah. We were in uh, Aruba a few months ago and I see some, you know, houses going up. I'm like, oh, I wonder what it costs to build those and could yeah. you rent them out? And it, it's Walk like, by
0: the real, local real estate office, start looking at their listings. Yeah. Like, oh, that's yep. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it never stops, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's funny. So, in terms of remote investing, that, that presents um, some opportunities because you can you go anywhere in the world and invest there. And some challenges on, you know, specifically yep. on the management side. What have you guys done on specifically the property management side to to be able to kind of run this business from uh, from another state?
0: Yeah. So the the building in Kansas City was mostly turnkey and already fully leased, and it's nice. smaller, only a fourteen unit. So it, it basically kind of runs on its own and I get monthly reports and I review it and ask questions if I need to ask questions and probably have like a quarterly call with that manager to make sure things are going in the right direction. Um, the Oklahoma City deal, our, our uh, manager is also owner operator and has other complexes in the area so we could share staff, share resources. We're in constant communication. I'm talking to them every week on the phone. Uh, on zoom and sometimes even daily emails. So we're, I think technology and systems make all that a lot easier, but I mean, the downside is if something comes up, you can't just drive down the street and go to it. Um, but with FaceTime and with zoom, you could do a lot. and, And at the end of the day, it's a three hour flight. And if we really had to get out there, we could.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's, it's, it could be a blessing and a curse not being able to be there because yep. As the business owner, you really don't want to have to physically go there to solve a problem, right? I mean, ideally, you've got staff team to be able to yeah. handle that. That kind of takes that option off your plate, or makes it more difficult, um, and forces you to kind of work through that team versus uh, showing yeah. up on site and trying to trying to solve some problem yourself.
0: Yeah, we- that the property manager is the most important team player, and yeah and creating systems and processes and expectations for them and being clear on those and also letting and allowing yourself to trust them and to do their work and do it. Well, um, is, is definitely interesting and challenging. And, you know, there's been moments where we've pushed too hard and they've had to kind of push back, Hey, Hey, like kind of let us do our job. Trust us. Like, yeah, we got it.
1: You know, it's good to find that point though. You know? Yeah. That balance.
0: Yeah. It's like, how much can I push? How much do I need to let them do their thing? It's a fine balance for sure.
1: Yeah. What was your interview process like when you were looking for that management company?
0: Um, We we talked to two. Um, So we talked to them. So what happened with this deal is they actually had it under contract before. They canceled because of COVID. Um, and the seller had another asset that they were selling as a package. So our property manager bought the other one and we bought this one at the same time and close. So we felt a little bit obliged to kind of work with them because they kind of helped kind of put it together. Um, but we also felt good about them. He's like our age, he's creating, he's growing his business, we're growing our business and they're really open to if we have requests of how we want want certain things, they're open to kind of adjusting what they're doing to kind of fit with what we're trying to do as well. Um, And then we had another company that we did interview and talk to, and they had actually done an analysis for the seller uh, for property manager. So they had all this worked up, which confirmed our numbers based on what that manager gave us with the our manager gave us and what we had kind of forecasted. So they kind of all kind of meshed really well. Some, some differences on different light items, but the total was the same at the end of the day. Yeah.
1: That's good. You get a couple of different data points. I always kind of tell people you're trying to, you're trying to like triangulate the the truth, right? This management company tells you it's going to be this much, this, this, this management company tells you this, the bank is telling you another thing and somewhere in there, is the truth. Uh, you know, nobody's probably nailing it, but
0: yeah, the appraiser yeah. yardy costar yep. has a lot of data points. I mean there's so many things you can go to and you could basically triangulate like like you said triangulate the outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to find the truth there. what what have you guys done moving into these bigger projects for your your capital stack? I mean the house kind of the house stuff's pretty straightforward on a larger multifamily is it a bank loan? And some equity? Is it you and investors? How have you guys put together the capital stack for these? Uh, yeah.
0: Products? So the last deal we did was a bank loan, 75% LTV. Yep. Um, it didn't need much work. It was more uh, operational play, cutting expenses, that kind of thing. Yep. But we did put about a hundred thousand into the exterior. So we raised a million 152. Uh, I sold a property in LA that I 1031 into this like six days before my deadline. Oh, man. <laughs> um and my brother sold a property. It wasn't a 1031, but he sold the property and used some of those funds. And then we raised from two other friends for the deal. Um, and and that we we actually Learn from that because I felt like we could raise everything that we needed with our internal network and hadn't really gone inside outside of that internal network. Sure. And and then when I realized we're struggling to raise from people from California because the thought of investing in Oklahoma is very foreign to them. Right. When I realized that and started opening it up to other people, it was just kind of too late because you need to foster relationships with with people before they actually are willing to give you 50K, 100K, or whatever it is, because that's a lot of money to a lot of people.
1: For sure. For sure. Tell me about the the 1031 process. Was that, um, I've never gone through it, you you know, and it's such a great tool to be able to use. Um, Done three in the
0: last year, so I can
1: love it, man. I mean, (laughs) if you, if you're, and California, you know, you could sell a yeah. house in California, and buy an apartment a little further east, right? Which is yeah. a beautiful thing. It's just different economics. Yeah. Was, it, was it tricky selecting an intermediary and going through that process?
0: Was it pretty easy? How, how was that? Uh, there were like the escrow company I used in LA had a preferred vendor that we had used before previous to the transactions that I had done with my family business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable use a CPA as well. So pretty knowledgeable. Um, but so for example, uh, this was an interesting 1031. So I sold a duplex in LA that I lived in the front with my wife for two out of the last five years to get the 500 K deduction. Nice. So half of the, half of the funds was tax-free and the other half of the funds, I 1031 into the, the property, which I didn't know you could do until I went through that process. Um, But what was interesting, too, is I sold that March 20th of 2020, right when COVID was hitting. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like... got out
1: just in time, right?
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) And... But the problem was, like... everything kind of shut down and no one was selling anything at that point. So I, I'm in my 45 day period to try to select something. There's nothing to select from, yep. but the government, I don't know if you remember extended the de- deadlines. If you fell between April 15th and July 15th any your deadlines got extended to July 15th. Right. So my selection period got, got extended to July 15th, but not my closing deadline because that laid, outside of that those dates yeah so i still my selection period got extended but my 180 days did not get extended so that's why we we opened at the end of june and then closed it i think september 8th and my deadline to close was like september 16th or something like that yeah (laughs) so barely barely squeezed that one out but but i also had decided that I rather pay that tax than get into a deal I didn't want to get into, but we luckily successfully made it happen, Dude, and it's it, and it's been performing really well, so we're pretty happy. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah,
1: there's some some uh, some games to play, but the benefits are worth playing the game, right? I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's a pretty good benefit, and I mean, the way you guys are going now, um, bringing a lot of your own capital to deal, you just kind of keep rolling into bigger properties and. You know, you yep. own a thousand units someday with with minimal or no partners and just keep kicking the can down the road. I
0: love it, man. That's our goal, a thousand units. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go.
1: There you go. 100 yeah.
0: million portfolio. Probably need to raise 20 to 30 million dollars to make that happen.
1: Yeah. Love it. Love it. Totally, uh, totally doable over time. Yep. Um, going back to the 1031, what is the what is defined as a identification, right? Does it mean a signed contract or like what? Cause you've got a timeline for just kind of high level on the 1031 for folk 1031 exchange. Y- you know, you take your proceeds and you're not going to pay taxes if you roll it into another property. So you've got an identification period and then you got a period to close. What, what counts as having identified a property?
0: Yeah. So you need to identify three properties within 45 days. And it's a form that your accommodator gives you that they, I believe submit to the IRS. Um, So you don't have to be under contract. You just have had to pick at least three properties or only three, I think up to three properties that you put on a list. And one of those you need to close within 180 days. I got it. So you can identify three. So there's, that's a fair bit of flexibility. You're gonna be able to. 45 days though.
1: (laughs) More would be nice.
0: Yeah. uh... (laughs) <laughs> I got lucky and I got more on this specific deal. But sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's good to catch some kind of a break during COVID. I mean, we we had yeah. a deal blow up uh about that time. It was a it was an underperforming deal that I was fine buying, but the debt markets just dried up instantly and we had to walk away from it. I, you know, and there's countless other horror stories, but sounds like that actually kind of worked out a little bit in your favor with an extension, yep. right?
0: Yep, and I honestly wish we were a little more aggressive during that kind of summertime because that a lot more deals were being had, and now it's, it's been it's a lot tougher than it was even back then.
1: Yeah, it's that blood in the streets idea, right? Like you, you, you know, be uh, greedy when others are fearful, and and fearful when others are greedy. But I don't know how you guys felt in March. Uh, it was a little unnerving, man. We didn't know how many people were going to die of this thing. What was going to happen? Yeah, You didn't, didn't really know.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were okay buying as long as we we're buying with more conservative numbers, higher yep. vacancy, higher bad debt, higher expenses, higher turns, like all that kind of stuff because we didn't know what was going to happen. But if we can make numbers work um, on those things, but there's a couple deals that we could have pushed a little harder that I wish we would have during that time period.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to look back and, and kind of judge on it. But, yeah. You know, and it's but,
0: easier said than done. Like like you said, it was a scary time. So it's hard to push too hard because you're like, I don't know, like you're not a hundred percent what may or may not happen. I mean, you're never a hundred percent what may or may not happen, but especially during that time period.
1: Yeah. And it's hard to be the guy out on the very front of it, being super confident in that kind of a scenario. It's like, we don't, we don't know. Um, having gone, you know, we're talking now basically on the one year anniversary of all the lockdowns and everything. Yeah. W- what's happened to, to you guys' business kind of as a, as a result of that. And, you know, what have you seen in the last year?
0: I mean, I, I think we haven't grown as fast as we would like because of everything that's happened. Right. But I also think it gave us a time to really kind of take a step back and, figure out what exactly we wanted and where we wanted to be and structure our business in a way that is gonna be the best for the long term. Um, so we've done basically two deals in the last year. And we're we had another deal under contract. We had to cancel it because the owner misrepresented the size of the units by 25% and wouldn't give us a discount. Nice. So, <laughs> um, went from 800 square feet units to 600 square feet units. Yeah.
1: That'll, uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll matter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but now we're, we're looking at some large, the thing too, is like the deal we did before was a three, two. And, and to me, honestly, I rather do a $7 million deal because it's about the same amount of work and for double. Power, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and so right now we're actually looking at a two hundred unit deal that I'm going to send an LOI on after we get off this podcast.
1: <laughs> Outstanding, I love it. I mean, it, it's it is the same work, and it's like you think about all the single family transactions that you guys have done, and I've done a ton of them. You still got insurance and title and inspections and due diligence, and it and it's like it's almost it's the same transaction. It's like, go, go do the bigger one. You know, if you've got the ability to, to put the deal together, get the loan and get the equity, uh, it's kind of like the same amount of work, you know, on that, on that 200 units. So yeah,
0: for something three times the size, it's probably only 25% more work. That's right.
1: Know? That's right. And then on the bigger stuff, you've got to leverage a team. You know, you're not, you're not doing it all yourself. You're not walking a hundred percent of the units yourself. You, you're, you're bringing in the team, which makes things, um, And you
0: could support and pay for plenty of staff to make it work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a you know? that's a real game changer for people too. Well, is
0: one space though that I think is interesting though is like that twenty five to sixty unit space where you could probably run it without any management on the property because yep. it is a it's too big for your mom and pop but too small for anyone in that institutional any type of thing. Yep. Um. And if you could maybe do it in an urban core where it's walkable and where they'll pay for like higher design, I think that that little niche could be interesting and something we're looking at as well Yeah, on top of the bigger stuff.
1: And you've got a weird competition there because your small guys can't do it. Your big guys don't want to touch it. And you still might find some mom and pop owners, right? Individual owners that have had it forever. They bought it for a 10th of what, you know, you're going to buy it for. And so they, they're going to, they're going to have a huge payday. It could still be a deal. Um, that's interesting. And that's, you know, that's, uh, I think a kind of a unique little space where you're maybe, maybe facing less competition, which would be nice.
0: Yep. And you know, my 14 unit in Kansas city, honestly, I, I really don't do anything like Love it's it. so easy. Like if we could, I would, I would have a, a, a few of those to make up something bigger and it would, it would work.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's yep. perfect.
0: Or if you could buy like three or four of them close to each other and you can kind of do a portfolio and get one loan for all of them
1: you know yeah you start taking over the block eh, there's a lot of
0: efficiencies with that stuff yeah
1: Um, you essentially
0: make a big building with a bunch of smaller buildings you know yeah yeah, exactly complexes exactly
1: yep we were looking at buying one up the street from we got 154 unit and there was a smaller one was like 80 units but it was one block up we said we could just make this all one complex you know and it didn't end up happening. We may someday may buy it, but uh, you you start to be able to play around with some of those efficiencies when you're, when you're, when you're right there. Um, So, you know, you had the, the, I guess I would say advantage early on of kind of having the family business, but if somebody is wanting to get into this business, and I don't know if you get people, you know, coming to you for, for advice on that stuff, but what would you say to somebody that's, that's wanting to get into investment real estate and, and kind of just getting started? What, what wisdom would you share with that person?
0: Um, I, would, I would get, you know, save your three to 5% to do an FHA loan or buy a fourplex. Go as yep. big as you can, you know, with as little money as money as you can. So like you're graduating from college, you have a couple years of work history because you need that for the loan um that that's what i would do as soon as possible you know it's easier said than done depending on the market you are in sure. obviously like la a fourplex is like one and a half million so that might not be doable but maybe a duplex for 800 could work you right. know um and it, that and getting you know either working in a company that's real estate related or getting a mentor um that that kind of thing where you could learn from someone else for, you know, five to 10 years. Like, I, I'm not against having a W-2 for some time to get experience get me, or uh, save some capital um, and kind of work from there and become more mature and all that kind of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's such a great point. And there are some ways at every... At every stage of experience and capital to to get in, you know, if you're further on, you got more capital. Then okay, there's different options. If you're starting out, you can get you can figure it out. Again, easier said than done, but you figured out to have your 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 mortgage covered right, right out of the gate. That's gonna be a pretty strong start to, uh, you know, to an investment career. So yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah, you know, and I I think having a W two for a time frame is good because then you can save some money because you know, we're in a capital intensive business. And if you have some of your own capital put into deals, it just makes it a little easier. It makes it less stressful where you're not like, like the last deal, we put most of our own money into the deal. And we didn't have that. We would have been knocking on doors, like trying, scrambling to make it happen. We didn't have to scramble because of that.
1: Yeah. The the pressure can, can, it can make you make bad decisions. If you can eliminate that, that's, that's great.
0: yeah. And I think you either need to have one or the other. You either need to have experience or the money yep. or both, both is preferred, but both if is you preferred. have either one of them, you could probably make it work.
1: You yep. know? Yep. I love it. So you mentioned kind of getting to a thousand doors. What do you, what do you guys see uh, in the next year as far as um, you know, kind of the game plan here?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're looking to do at least a couple hundred units in the, in the next year. I mean, we're looking at a kind of couple hundred unit uh complex right now so we might do it in one swing but yep but we won't stop there obviously but so the goal is in the next three to five years to get about a thousand units and that's and that's putting some of our own money raising from others and basically the goal is to make for, for myself at least is to make fifty thousand a month in cash flow from all yep. these buildings and then I'll see where where I take it from there or maybe I go do some other businesses and build a house by a lake and, and do that. I don't yeah.
1: know. <laughs> that option's always there, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you might get bored, but maybe maybe that's going to be fun. You know, who knows? Yeah. I would what?
0: never sit on my butt. I would always have to do something. I, I would, Like you said, I would get bored. Like my mind just is always going. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: 50,000 a month, that gives you a lot of options, right? Start new companies, invest.
0: You yeah. Know. You could become a professional LP at that point and just invest in other people's deals and kind of or work with them or sign on loans with them or kind of be their mentor, their yep. guiding light.
1: Yep. You know, you kind of move into the more of the capital and experience, and then you get all sort of opportunities, which is a really cool thing about this business. You kind of start with nothing and work your way up. And then as time goes on, yep. there's more and more opportunities for your capital, for your track record to leverage that. So um, yeah, and
0: it'd be good to help other people that were in my boat are in, are in my boat now, like 10 years from now, you know? Yeah.
1: Yep. I love it. So, I love it. There's yeah. kind of a spot for everybody along the, along the journey. Um, well, this is awesome. I, I really appreciate you kind of sharing the, the story, what you guys have done and, and what's in the future. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out and, and get to know you and your company a little bit better, what's the, what's a good avenue for that, Jonathan?
0: I'm, I'm the most active on Twitter. Uh, oh, you can yeah, just okay. look me up at jb2investments.com and, Post something something useful and of value every single day on there. Cool. Um, you could email me at, jb at jb2investments.com. And we also have an ebook about real estate and taxes, jb2investments forward slash lower, like lower taxes. Oh, awesome. Or, or eliminate them. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons we're playing the game, right? Yep. For sure. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. Jonathan, thank you very much, man. I, I really enjoyed this. I I, uh, love hearing these kind of stories. I love hearing your story and wish you guys continued success. Thank you. It was fun.
0: All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.